Oh, he's got a scarf too. What's going on here? We're twinning. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't get a memo. Scarf moment. I'm so hyped. <laughs> and like in a pinch, you can just like. There you go. Right <laughs> into the mask. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. But you're so right. Oh my god, see, resourceful. If you need it. Yeah, yeah, just whip it up, and you're good. <laughs> ideas, ideas all the way around. My goodness. Yeah. The MTG Podcast is a virtual space for women and men in the tech and creative industries. Tune in as we put it all on the table, sharing authentic life truths as we sustain and empower each other in search of our tribe. We're more than a designer. We're more than our name badge. We're more than the work we produce. Welcome to the MTG Podcast, because life is more than graphics. Well, welcome everyone to the MTG Podcast. I'm Danielle. I'm Cicely. And we've got a pretty amazing month ahead of us right now. Even though there's a lot of things right now that are probably not so amazing. We have this national pandemic of COVID-19. We kind of feel maybe a little restricted. Maybe we're feeling some anxiety right now. But really in this month of April, we're really kicking off all things spring, which I hope is a sign of renewal (laughs) as we're coming out of quarantine, maybe, and maybe some even more restrictive feelings around just being kind of kept in more so than busting out as we normally would during this time of year. Cicely, I know you were on the front lines. Like, seriously, can I give a public thank you statement? Cicely, who is nurse, nurse stamper on the front line over here. I'm feeling it. And thank you so much. How has this been for you? Um, Well, first, I want to say as much as I'm on the front lines, I still have like friends and people that I know who actually are working directly in ERs and urgent care. So they have it much worse than I do. I work with, um, I work in women's health, so OBGYN, so where I still see patients, it's still one of those things where, you know, you're kind of scared to go to work and you're hoping for the best every day, but hats off to the men and women and everyone that works in the hospital setting because it's much more stressful. I've been hearing from my friends about how stressed they are, and it's really kind of scary out there. I think now I'm doing better. I started incorporating working out and walking when I can into my routine, so Physically and mentally, I'm doing a lot better than I have been in in the past couple of weeks. Man, I can totally attest to that. Two weeks ago, I was completely off schedule. I was just floating. I just felt like numb and just floating around. My business as a graphic designer is mostly online. So how am I really feeling as affected by something that I technically wasn't as attached to to begin with, sort of? So I don't really go out that often, but I go out enough to have, you know, my business lunches or whatever. But for people who are so dependent upon connecting non-virtually, who are physically having to show up in places like, I'm sure people are really struggling with that mentally and physically on how to connect without connecting. So um, kudos to all of our listeners who are either in quarantine or literally on the front lines like Cicely is in a lot of ways in the ERs, associating with people who have the coronavirus, like you guys are superheroes in a lot of ways. So I just give you so much props and praise um, on behalf of MTG, the podcast um, for being amazing people, amazing leaders, and the sacrifices that you're making are, that you are making are truly saving lives. So this topic for the month of April (laughs) is really kind of stemming from that a little bit. We're all about finding better ways to work with what we have, right? The theme of ideas, which again, 
We did not pick just randomly. All these topics were pre-destined, pre-ordained from the very beginning of the year. We just happened to pick ideas for April because it does signify a little bit of spring, you know, renewal, new things, new beginnings. And so we have an amazing guest um, that really kind of signifies a lot of that in ways around our community and the way we think and interact with each other. So I'm super excited to bring on my friend, also amazing person in general, Joshua Nadzum. Josh Nadzum is the co-founder and director of On The Move Art Studio and an instructor at the University of Kentucky College of Social Work. He escaped a tragic childhood and went on to run track and field at the University of Kentucky and ultimately earned a master's degree in social work. Since then, he has been involved in and led many community initiatives around social justice and community building. Recent honors include 2016 Lexington Leadership Foundation Social Entrepreneur of the Year, 2017 880 Cities Emerging Cities Champion, 2019 Lauren K. Weinberg Humanitarian of the Year Award. Hello, hello. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I, I appreciate everything you're saying. I don't know if I, if I deserve that, but I, I do appreciate the, the gift. And uh, thank you, Danielle and Cicely, for having me on. This is an honor, and I'm so excited to be here. To be here, in quotation marks, I should say, because <laughs> right. I'm not here. We are all virtual, but I'm excited Absolutely. to be alive. Yes, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's the perfect phrase right there. It's a great time to be alive. So, of course, I know you personally through On The Move, which is a mobile art um, studio. It's actually a series of, like, mobile trailers, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, That is really just facilitated. I mean, I've helped teach with you um, and volunteer through On The Move, um, this nonprofit that you've helped co-create. And so I, that is the number one reason that I really wanted to reach out to you and kind of pick your brain about current times right now. How do you interact with, with kids when you're not really able to interact with kids? And what's that look like as far as ideas to get started? Yeah, so like Danielle, like you said, so we're On The Move Art Studio. Uh, we go to low-income neighborhoods and underserved areas and just have free arts classes for kids. Um, and it's free, and we've been going for we're a little over four years old. Uh, so we've served about 35,000 children so far um, in central Kentucky. Um, and so with our mobile approach, we're able to just go wherever. Um, something that's very important to me that we do is we don't just show up uninvited. Um, in community work, a lot of times people go into neighborhoods trying to fix people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just added for a lot of reasons. So we don't ever just show up saying, hey, we've determined that you're poor and we're here to save you with markers and crayons. Um, we don't do that. We just say, hey, everybody, we exist. Let us know if you want us to come. Um, so it's very community driven and it's free. And so different neighborhoods and communities and after school programs invite us in to work with their kids. So right now would actually be our busiest time period. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, in solidarity with everybody else, we have suspended our programming, which has been you know very difficult. So what we've been doing in the meantime is first just trying to use like the first week or so to, to actually just kind of rest. Um, I, I've been trying to resist the temptation to like fill everything with something else. Like, oh, if we're not doing something, I need to do something else. So first little bit was like, all right, let's actually like slow down and, and breathe. Now, after getting out of that, we're, we're starting to do a little more creative things. Just today alone, I'll be delivering about three boxes of art supplies. So we kind of reached out and said, hey, does anybody need any art supplies, you know, while you're quarantined? And a bunch of people hit us up. So 
stuff like that, boxing supplies given to people, just checking in with people, waving our hand and saying, hey, here's where we can help. And sometimes helping is just literally staying home. You know, that's kind of the message we're all getting is like, you can save lives by staying home. It's been equal parts rough, but also there's some beauty in it. Can you talk a little bit about the core idea of what On The Move was really kind of moving you to do? Yeah, so, uh, so I grew up in a very bad neighborhood um, with a lot of drugs and a lot of crime. I come from a very rough family, broken family, cycles of addiction and poverty and domestic violence and alcohol use and, and all that. So when I was a kid, my dream was like, man, if I ever make it out of this chaos, I would love to start something that would help kids who grew up like me. Um, I know what it's like firsthand to live in a neighborhood where there's nothing good coming in. When I got older, it, I realized the irony that the neighborhood I lived in, some of my classmates would get grounded if they ever visited. You know, the parents were like, don't you go to that neighborhood? And I, I think that's the right call, but it was kind of ironic. It was like, oh, wow, I live there, <laughs> which is just strange to, to, to realize. So, you know, the first and foremost was just giving kids something to do. Adults were always like, oh, kids need more things to do. But then they wouldn't do anything. And I always thought that was odd. So I was like, all right, well, we're going to give them something to do. And then once I started to understand the impact art can have on people, uh, kids, um, at-risk youth, um, it was like a no-brainer. It was like, all right, I don't know how to solve poverty. I don't know how to solve these massive issues. But here's one thing we can do. Yeah, the idea is to use the arts as a way to engage them, build self-efficacy, self-esteem, confidence, creativity. So just using that, that's just kind of our medium, build relationships. And and again, you know, one big barrier is if you're in a low-income environment, um, transportation is a big barrier. So we were thinking like, yeah, we can build a beautiful art center, but what's the point if kids can't get to it? So we thought like, what if we just bring it to them? And that's kind of how it got started and, and, and what we do. I absolutely love your story just because um, it really embodies what we should be doing more than more than ever right now, which is meeting people where they are. And I feel like that is so encouraging and very uplifting. And of course, I am 110 percent behind on the move. Um, Again, I got to volunteer. Um, with the organization multiple times. It's been great to interact with all different types of children and children that just come from all different types of life and backgrounds and to be able to inspire them through art, to be able Mm. to inspire them just in simple conversation, even if it wasn't art to begin with. These Mm. kids clearly need that. Um, And so being able to provide that um, through On The Move Art Studio has been amazing. Thank you for that. That's been a gift to me. Yeah, totally. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I remember, yeah, you helped out and led classes at William Wells Brown Elementary and the kids loved you. And so thank you for giving your time and your skills and resources and, and, and everything to contributing to it. So thank you. I think one of the, there were two things that you said that really struck me. Um, the first thing was um, how, like, now that we've all kind of had to pause things and kind of regroup, and the name of your company is actually On The Move Studio, and it's really interesting how now, even though you're about going to people and about, like, community and gathering, you're doing it in a different way by, like, the rest of us staying at home, staying you know, as removed as you can, but still being able to do things. So I think that's awesome that you're still able to hand out supplies and um, give things to the kids or the people who needed to get through the time that we can't be together and come together as a community and, you know, do the things that your organization was meant to do. So I think that was so really profound that you mentioned that. And I think it's a good time for us all to kind of pause and slow down because I think we do move too fast as a society in general. Um, Also, when you said that, um, like, I think one of the best things about entrepreneurship 
is that when you can find something not that you're passionate about, not only that you're passionate about, but the fact that you're not just helping kids. You're like, like you said, oh, like those poor kids don't have anything. It's an actual experience that you understand because you live the same type of lives that they're living. You experience the same type of things. Like, you know what it's like to grow up that way. And then I think it's a really awesome testament that, you know, you can show them, well, you don't have to continue on that trajectory. You can change the path for yourself. And, you know, you can be like me, you can do, you can be completely opposite of me. You can do something else, but you don't have to, you know, live out the circumstances in which you were born. So I think that's a really awesome point that you made there as well. Almost made me tear up. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, and thank you. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, it's been a beautiful journey and it's been hard. I, uh, about 14 kids I grew up with have died from drug overdose. Wow. And so I, I, uh, I think we get kind of caught up in like a, a merit-based society where it would be very tempting for me to be like, well, I worked hard and I got out of it. And and like, yeah, I worked hard, but, but there's a lot of serendipity to it. There's a lot of luck. I grew up just like these 14 kids and you tweak a couple factors and, and I'm dead too. So there's just a lot of like serendipity to it. Uh, but it's also one of the things that happened to me is that um, there was a couple adults in my life that took an interest in me. And there's a lot of studies that show like that's one of the most protective factors for kids growing up is kids need somebody to take an interest in them, whether that's a parent or a guardian or a neighbor or a coach or a teacher. Um, we're, we're, we're all essentially products of our environment. And so if you grow up in chaos and you see drug use and you don't see anybody choosing an alternative means, then how would you even not mimic that? You know, it's, I just try to be like very grateful because again, it's not this like pound my chest, like I made it out of there because I'm so special. No, it's, it's, it's a lot of luck and, and, and I'm, I'm grateful to be here and I could have died many ways and, and I, and for some reason I'm not dead yet. So it's like, all right, I get, I get a couple, I get today. I don't know if I get tomorrow, but I get today and there's 1,404 in a day and, and I'm going to try to use those for for good and, and let's make things a little bit better for everybody. <laughs> I love that you I said that. It. That's really important as well. It's not that like I got out and I made it and these people didn't. It's more about I was lucky enough, like you said, to have the tools to have a person or people who stepped in and said, hey, you know, I see something in that kid. I'm going to help the one kid that I know that I can. So like you said, it's yeah. a mix of luck. It's a mix of God. It's a mix of a whole bunch of things, but it's so awesome that you have the humility to it, to acknowledge that it's not just because of anything, one thing that you did, it's just the whole trajectory of your life was changed by little small movements throughout. So I think that's awesome that you acknowledge that, but that's, it's amazing testament. And it's fascinating because I've noticed kind of two responses to when people make it out of really bad situations. Either one is they develop a lot of empathy for people who like grew up like them, or they go the complete other way and they, they develop a lot of resentment. And it turns into this thing of like, I don't care. I don't want to hear any excuses. I made it out of it. Get off food stamps, get off welfare. And so it's, it, that's always been bizarre to me that like you can make it out of a situation and actually develop resentment and animosity towards people. So I, I've just been like, wow, because that, that would be bizarre to like, it, yeah, so it just turns into this, no excuses, I don't care. And it's like, whoa, hey, like there, there are reasons for these 
things that happened. So you said a lot of things that are really profound. And I think it can, you know, go in the context of kind of things that are going on today, slowing down our movements, kind of, you know, taking time to take stock and be grateful for the things that we do have left. So I think that was a great, it still it, it encompasses the idea of ideas. And it's still just a great um, testament to kind of what we're going through right now as well. So when you receive a good idea, what is your process? And how, like, how do you act on it? What's the process that, that you go through to act on it? Yeah, so I'd say, um, so one thing I started doing is uh, every day, like when I wake up, before I check my phone or check emails or turn on the news to see what I'm supposed to be outraged by today, I go and sit somewhere for at least 10 minutes and like I don't do anything. Um, so I, if it's nice out, so today it's really nice out. So actually I went and sat for 20 minutes and didn't do anything. And I just try to like sit there and, and let some thoughts process. And then I try to like be grateful. And then it's some of like my most like creative time because I'm not being influenced by anything. I'm just like generating ideas. And I, I've read a lot of research that talks about how important it is to be bored. Like our brains have to have moments where we're bored because then that's when it's like coming up with ideas. So like throughout the course of the day, I'll probably have like 50 ideas. So I, I try to have a balance of like, like I believe in leap and the net will appear. Just like freaking go for it. Like just just go for it. But then also I try to balance that with like not being reckless and impulsive. Um, I don't want to try a bunch of different ideas just because I'm feeling good in the moments, uh, especially because, you know, in the nonprofit sector and community work, your idea can be cute, but like it can hurt people. There's this image I remember seeing and all stuck with me. It's, it's a cartoon. Um, there's a bunch of giraffes and there's these people that have flown in on helicopters with these signs that say, save the giraffes. You know, they're, they're, they're activists, but their helicopter blades like cut off the giraffe's head, you know, and, and it's supposed to be like, you know, it's, it's, it's a cartoon, but it's this image of like, sometimes helping can hurt, you know? And I try to recognize that. So like, yeah, when I have an idea, I'm like, okay, it's Monday. I have that idea. Let's hold on to that. Am I still feeling it's a good idea on Friday? So then I try to like process it and then talk to people, talk to mentors that I have, talk to friends, flush out the idea, especially if it involves other people. Like I had this one idea, I, so I'm very passionate about homelessness and it's like, I don't know what to do because it's such a big issue. So a few years ago, I thought like, what if I like went homeless to raise awareness for it and then raise money? And I was like, ooh, that could be taken the wrong way. Like I'm making a mockery of it or something. And I also tried to like check myself, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I am, even regardless of my childhood, I am a white male and I have certain privileges that other people don't. So I had to like check that. So then I, I asked this homeless shelter that I know very well about the idea and they really loved it. So, and then I started asking people who are actually homeless, like, Hey, I got this idea. I don't want to be expensive, but I think it could help. And they loved it so much to where a mother and daughter actually asked if they could be like our guides. They were so moved that somebody wanted to like walk in their shoes that they showed us where they slept. They, we ate where they ate. A friend did it with me. So we called it Bring Us Home, um, and the idea was we we're going to stay homeless until we raised $3,000 because the shelter told us that if we raised $3,000, they could put one person at home for a year. And so we're like, okay, we could do that. But again, it was like, here's the idea, but I don't want to just make a mockery of it. So let me check with people who actually live this every day because I don't want to play homeless. Um, so it's just kind of a snippet. I was like, you know, I don't want to be offensive, but... 
all right, like the shelter likes it. They like the money that's going to be raised. Um, people who are living it like it. So we did it and, and, and it, 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 we raised the money. And then, uh, so yeah, just trying to like have a blend of like, go for it, but don't be reckless um, is my approach. <laughs> that I feel like is so profound that people really need to hear that right now. Like, in the state mm. of having to be quarantined. Um, a lot of mm. people feel like I can just do it because it exists. And we don't mm. check our privilege. We don't check um, sometimes the level of empathy that is kind of um, misstrewed in areas. Um, mm. So I think it's so important. And, I, and again, applaud you <laughs> for just really being <laughs> upfront and being real. I mean, there's so many times that I myself, um, the past two weeks, again, kind of being in this funk and um, not being on a schedule and just kind of wandering and floating, I wanted to do something so bad to kind of help people and meet people where they are. And I just just wasn't feeling it because I myself just wasn't, I didn't feel like anyone would meet me where I was. And it wasn't until I started really gravitating toward asking for feedback and starting interacting with people on the same plane or even not on the same plane as me and kind of helping me self-check myself. It wasn't until that moment that I really started to better understand, well, now I can find other ways where people can actually um, still continue to either use my services or I can find a way to help other people based on the services that I already have, um, that I already Mm. provide. So that is just, again, one amazing way and great storytelling, by the way, um, (laughs) for you to be able to like share that story about homelessness and just meeting people again where they are, not advocating because Mm. it's actually charged or politically charged or even spiritually charged. It's just a matter of, um, being a strong human and being compassionate mm. and having some sort of empathy for others to advocate for change. What advice can you give to someone who has an idea and is either scared or shunned from trying it out? Yeah, totally. Um, so in short, my, my biggest advice is do it. Just do it. Um, in, in my opinion, there's no way to actually fail because if you do your idea and it doesn't work, then you just move on. Like, you know, as long as it's not hurting people, of course, but like, I'm not going to pretend like I don't fear, you know, I, I, I fear messing up. I have lots of fears and doubts and stuff. So what I try to do is like, when I'm afraid of something happening, I'm like, all right, Josh, let's explore that. What if that thing happened? What would be the worst thing? So if I do an idea and it failed, will be the worst thing. And usually it's like, well, I'd be disappointed. I might look a little stupid. Everybody would forget it and just move on. And then it's like, oh, there's no way to actually fail. So my first advice would be just do it. Other advice would be have a decent plan, but at some point you just have to go for it. Um, with On The Move Art Studio, one example is question of like, okay, here's this great idea, but how are we going to sustain it? And we had some ideas, but one idea, we could have done 10 years of planning. I never would have thought of this. So we just started doing it. Um, people started approaching us in the community and they would say, would you do birthday parties? And at first I was like, oh, well, I, I don't know if you really get our mission. See, like we go to low income neighbor, like we're a nonprofit. And they were like, no, we would fund your mission. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, we do birthday parties. <laughs> but like, I never would have thought of that without just like doing it. And so now we've done about 50 birthday parties where families invite us to their homes. We do a couple activities for our kids and then they donate to us and then it funds our mission. But again, without just like weeping, we never would have thought of that. So that's my other advice is like, do it, 
have a decent plan, but at some point jump off the ledge and just go for it. Because what's going to happen is people are going to see you doing that and they're going to be like, Oh wow. Hey Josh, did you think of this? You know, like another example, and this is by me, but so what we do, it's a trailer that you have to haul, Danielle, as you know, I mean, you've seen it. Well, in all of our planning, we forgot about the one thing of like, oh, wait a minute, how are we going to haul this? And we started panicking because nobody had a truck or anything. But again, just in the spirit of just like going for it, um, this one artist, her name's Trisha Daly. She was one of our founding artists. She said, hey, well, my dad owns a body shop and he said he can haul it around for you. And I never would have thought of that. So John Daly is his name. And for the first half a year, he hooked our trailer up to his truck and hauled it around from site to site. Generosity, no payment, nothing. But I never would have thought of that. I never would have said, all right, guys, the way we're going to do this is we're going to find some random person with a truck, you know. But these things just kind of happen um, if you put yourself out there. So, yeah, that would be my advice is, like, do it, have a decent plan, but just go for it. After you do it, assess and then try and then assess and then say, okay, that worked, that didn't work, tweak it. Um, and just believe in it more than anything, because it sounds cliche to say like, oh, anything is possible. But in the most literal sense, like this world we're living in, there's never been a greater time for innovation, entrepreneurship, creativity. Like the world is literally your canvas and whatever you wanna do right now, I mean, we have these rectangles in our pockets that can do anything. It's utterly amazing. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how we're actually talking to each other right now, but it's awesome. And so I think that um, I'm so thankful to be alive in 2020 and not year 910 because like, I mean, at one point humans existed before written word existed. And now I can just say, hey, Siri, send a message to Danielle. And like, it's just crazy. The time is now to do whatever idea. And we're all building on each other. Yes. All this innovation and creativity, we're all building on each other. So take what everybody has done and then build on that. It's an amazing time to be alive. Absolutely. That's I love the building on each other. Yeah. I mean, even things like, like, what, like you know, right now I could get in an airplane and fly to Seattle. But the reason I'm able to do that is because all these people like invented the airplane and then tested it out and all this kind of stuff. Now I get the benefit and, and, and I could be like, um, excuse me, this chair doesn't lean back far enough. Mm. Like what? I could get to <laughs> Seattle in five hours. Like mm-hmm. who cares about the chair? Like, right. So, <laughs> it's, it's utterly amazing. It's also a rough time. I don't want to be dismissive. So like, I think, so the anxieties and everything everybody's feeling right now are totally real. And at the same time, there's a lot of it can be seen in the same way that like in the nighttime sky, it's black. But then you also have little twinkling stars. So it can coexist. You can have all this like anxiety and sadness and disruption, which is real. And then also these little twinkling stars of beauty that we're seeing. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. It's it's coexisting. And that's what I've been trying to pay attention to. Is there's a lot of bad stuff happening and there's a lot of beauty and it can coexist. Absolutely. So. What a wonderful illustration of that. Like, perfect. The perfect illustration of balancing the good with the bad. Um, being able to appreciate the circumstance that you're in without bellowing over and feeling that there's no life left around. Um, so I totally yeah. get that entirely. And I yeah. also love the fact that Um, Again, building upon each other is super critical Um, as an entrepreneur, as a creative, as a person in tech. We all know that we can't exist with the things that we have without the people behind us who had originally created something before us. Change invokes 
change. And that is Ooh. really important. I'm with you, Josh. Yeah. 110%. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I do it. Yeah. Ooh. Thank you for oh, that Lord. reminder as well. Like everything is always about balance. And that's literally how I try to like remind myself of anything I do every day that like, you know, the world can be crashing down around me, but there's still got to be something that you were thinking before. And if, you know, we have the capability of recognizing that the world is crashing down around us, we're still alive. Like there's got to be something mm. that we can find to be thankful, even if it's one thing. Like I do, I try to do a gratitude journal. I stopped it for a while and I've started it again. But I would write down just like the first. Bring five it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the first five or six things, like shortly after I get up, like these are the things that I'm thankful for, and usually they're the same things. Like you know, my husband, my kid, my parents, like just you know, small things, but things that I don't take for granted. The people that I love and know the most are always on that list. If the only thing you can come up with today is that the sun was shining or, you know, your kid didn't get on your nerves or something like that, then that's still something that we'll take. <laughs> I, I, and I, and I, that's beautiful. And, and I, I get real extreme with it. Like, think about this in my backpack, let's say I need a pen and it's down here. So I reach for my backpack, but I'm not looking. Somehow my fingers are able to discern the difference between like, oh, no, that's my wallet. Oh, no, that's a quarter. Oh, there's my pen. Like, that's amazing. I don't know how that works, but, like, I'm so thankful for the ability to, like, discern the physical touch of objects. Um, it, it's, I don't know, it's it's amazing. I, gratitude is, is really cool. <laughs> it's the best thing. Like I said, we're on the gratitude train today. Like, choose yes. it. Keep going. Yes. I'm for it. I'm I love it. <laughs> Daniel knows, like, I've been on this kick for probably, it's been a little over a year now. Like, it's not a kick, but... You know, I always think of myself as a positive person, but like it just gets more and more in overdrive the more I look at things and the more I look at what I have. When you focus on what you have versus what you don't have, like the world is so much more abundant for you, for you, for anyone else that you're around. And I think that's just the perfect way of looking at things. You can't focus on what you don't have because then we'd be sad and mopey and depressed all the time. It'd be terrible. But if we focus on, you know, this is what I do have. So let me work within those parameters. And then from that will come something more that I never even dreamed of before. Seeing the good and the hardship, I think that is like the number one goal for anybody who's going through whatever, through anything. Um, even when the time isn't necessarily pleasant or happy, um, but being able to hold on to that and still trudge forward um that just says mm. a lot about the personal development of each of us as humans toward each other then i feel like that's something we also have to embrace and also encourage and challenge each other to do josh has again um, been a receiver of many different community awards i don't know if, if you guys are aware of them but he has a huge accolade of humanitarian awards and i just want to we'll talk about that it's currently in on our bio in his bio on our facebook page on social media we're sharing it like grass fire that this guy has been such an amazing pillar for the community he speaks so much for the kids he is totally covering his face right now but at the same time like so much love and appreciation for the heart of you and more people need to see that thank you. so um i'm really appreciative well, that you're you. on the show and sharing all this wonderful ideas and just really um the heart of being quarantined in a lot of ways is figuring out what else to do and i feel like these are great ideas inspirational ways that we can find something else to do but like a couple of my main motivations are one is is you know my mother so um my mother 
um, has a severe mental illness. And again, we grew up in the projects. It could always been worse, but it was terrible just to be blunt. And so I kind of look at it as like my mother gave me, my mother inherited like a bag of coal. And then with her hard work, she turned it into diamonds to give to me, to give to the world. So like, I, I try to always remember, like I'm reflecting her. Um, so I try to like, this is my way to like thank her um, by doing that. And the other thing is when I was, um, so my life was chaos, lots of trauma. And when I was 17, uh, we got in a really bad car crash, my friends and I. We were going to Myrtle Beach, so there were three cars, and our car flipped um, about three times. And my best friend, J.C. Lansbury, was killed. Um, and I could have died, too. I don't know why I didn't. Um, but I try to always remember, like, I tell his parents as often as I can, like, I'm trying to honor your son and, and honor you guys um, by living this life. And, and I mess up all the time and I make mistakes. And, and But I'm trying to, I just want them to know, like, I didn't die in that car crash and I don't know why. And your son did. And it crushed me. But like, I'm trying my best to um, make the best of this situation that I've been given. Um, so it's it's both a tribute to my mother, um, who is still alive. I don't want it to sound like she's not alive. Um, but then also my best friend, JC, who is not alive. So um just wanted to drop that in, but uh, thank you for letting me share that. Absolutely. Like, seriously, shout out to mom. Hey. And then also, what a beautiful tribute to friendship. What's it, That's what it's about, right? Both of you are yeah, trying to make me cry you. today. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal. That's the goal. Oh, We're no. <laughs> um, how can people find you or contact On The Move Arts? Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, my personal stuff is just my first and last name. So Josh Nadzum. Um, so my Instagram is just at Josh Nadzum. Uh, my email is joshnadzum at gmail.com. Um, but then for On The Move Art Studio, we also have like the Facebook page, On The Move Art Studio. Um, Instagram is at On The Move Art Studio. Um, and we also have best email address for On The Move Art Studio would be On The Move Art Studio at gmail.com. And of course, we have a website. It's back. Check out our flash questionnaire responses. Your go-to snack. I love putting, you take a piece of dark chocolate and you just dip it in the peanut butter. Oh man. And you eat it. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, that was easy. <laughs> That's fantastic. I might have to try that. <laughs> oh man. It's and then you get a glass of milk. <laughs> get a glass of milk and you're just done. You just. <laughs> Midnight snack. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, your favorite room in your house? Favorite room would be uh, my living room. Um, it's where when it's like cold outside and stuff, it's where I do my little 10 minute, 20 minute quiet time. Um, so my living room. Awesome. Um, coffee or tea? Tea. So I've never had coffee. I know. Yeah. I, so I've never had coffee. One time I accidentally tasted it because this... Um, coffee shop I go to I always get this hot chocolate and one day it tasted kind of funny and I didn't want to be I don't like I don't want to be like um excuse me take this back you know so then I sipped it again and I was like man I've been drinking this for two years this tastes like odd so I went up and I was like you know I'm really sorry but I'm kind of confused this tastes different this is like a different recipe long story short they put like mocha in it or something like that Um, I was gonna say that Uh, that's what I normally would have Yeah, so, you know, nothing against coffee, but yeah, I've never had coffee, so definitely tea all the way. 
All right, Harry Potter or Star Wars? I don't want to be... I've never seen either of them. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> and I know people love them. I just, I don't know, I've never gravitated towards it, so I've never seen them. Um, but I know people love it, so shout out to the Star Wars and Harry Potter fans, but I've never seen them. All right, digital books or physical books? Oh, physical books all day, every day. Um, and, and that, you know, I, I wish like, like digital books are technically environmentally more friendly because it's less paper, but nothing beats a physical book. It's a thing that I don't have to plug in and turn on and stare at a screen. Oh man. I love the smell of the books. I love the books. I love the covers. I love holding a book. I love falling asleep in a book. Uh, I've read five so far this year. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's yeah, so awesome. I, said that. I think what is it? 90% of our guests possibly said physical books and like it's, it's, it's an experience. Like I'm a very, I was used to be a million years ago, an avid reader. I used to read all the time. Like I used to read books, like eating food. Like I used to love to read when I was a kid and like a young adult as well. And like, I just remember like there was nothing better than opening that book and smelling like the new pages. And like when you bend yeah. it back a little bit and it gets to crease, like there was nothing better than that experience. And my son is 10 and he'll probably, you know, he reads, but he's not like into books. He's into, you know, iPad and TV and whatever, but like big, nothing will ever for me beat the experience of being able to open a book and kind of hear that snap and just turn the pages. Like nothing will ever beat that. So I think 90% of our um, guests have said physical books. So I like that you're on team physical books. Yeah, and and it's utterly amazing because, like I was saying before, you know, for most of human history, there wasn't a thing called the written word. We didn't know how to do that as a species. Then we developed the ability to do that. But then, um, so I think it's as early as, or as recent as like 1910. I'm not, it's something like this where only like 80%, excuse me, no, only about 20% of the world could read, even in like 1910. Um, now about 90% of the world can read. So even the ability to read is a relatively new phenomenon for us as a species, um, which is an amazing thing because, again, for most of our existence, we couldn't do anything. We would draw little things on the cave wall and hope that somebody knew what that meant. But like now we can produce these brilliant works of art in this book, and, and I love it. I'm here for it. I Amazing. still like my kids draw cave-like things on my refrigerator. <laughs> so, I mean, that's great. <laughs> <still> communicating. <laughs> it is. There's no, yeah. Communication is a continuum. Right. <laughs> All right. And um, if you could go back in time, where would you go, and whom would you see? I mean, I'll get kind of like existential with it, but I'd I'd want to go back to the beginning of all this, like, uh, and find out like how did we get here, like, you know, and then I know like you know this kind of varies on people's like religious views and and all that, but I want to know like for sure, like, take me back to day one, what was it like, like how did we get here, and and I got some questions, you know, uh, so that would be my thing is like I'd go back to the beginning and figure out like how did we get here. And how did we get to this point? Um, is that too far back? Does the time machine go that far back? He goes as far as you want him to go. It's up to you. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, a gift you've recently received. A gift I recently received, um, one would be a plant. Um, so one of our um, longtime members of On The Move Art Studio, her name's Callie Denham. 
Um, she recently moved away to another state. Um, and so she was giving up a lot of her stuff. So she gave me a plant. Um, and it was really cool. And it's growing and, and it's nice. Did I pass? Oh, definitely. Probably. <laughs> like, we're, we're like 99.9%. Like, <laughs> okay. maybe there's a curve. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to the MDG Podcast. We want to hear from you. Follow, review, and chat us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter by following the hashtag MTGThePodcast. Continue to subscribe to our show via Spotify, Amazon Alexa, and both Apple and Google Podcasts. And look out for bonus content releases throughout the year. This podcast is produced by Octane Design Studios. Until next time. No way. We've got bonus content coming just for you in the month of April. Be on the lookout for our bonus episode featuring Cagney Coomer very soon.